enthusiasts of all things athleticism and movement through space, including ballroom dancing, hip-hop dancing, and just the two-step. Well, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. Tex here joined with two incredible coaches of the sport of basketball. One, Corey Schlesinger. Introduce yourself, man. Hi. Welcome uh, back. Good to be back. Uh, I had a great time last time, so I'm glad to see the home base now. This is, yes. this is quite the special spot, bro. And long time coming, Zach Zillner. Welcome <laughs> to the show, man. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. And how what would be your title? Not your party title, like your formal position. Oh, you get you make ugh. the money. Uh, I'd say director of sports performance for women's basketball at University of Texas. That's right, right down the road, Austin. And we came up for a little workout today at Power Athlete HQ, and then of course we got a guest in town. We got to sit down and enjoy the show uh, and give them a glimpse, the audience, our normal conversation, which believe it or not is certainly centered around performance amongst other things, but not movies. With you two. Definitely not movies. So, <laughs> listeners, I'll do my best to tame the references. But, uh, yeah, let's let's get started, man. Corey, you're coming off an, an incredible run. Your team kicks some ass. I was certainly rooting for them to, to bring it all the way. But now we got a learning opportunity to bring into the offseason and, and make, make the guys better. Yeah. So, let's well, get into that run a little bit, man. What was that experience from the your side of the bench? And... Shit, man, I, we're going to deep dive training, but take yeah, it away man. from experience. Uh, to be honest, it was, it, you don't really know it until it's over. You know, like, I didn't know what our expectations of the season was other than, of course, getting into the playoffs, uh, much less making the run that we made. But obviously everyone's ambition is to win the championship going into every season, no matter what you're ranked. But to actually put ourselves in a position to be there in such a short amount of period of time, my only reservation was we had so much success so fast mm -hmm. and so it's like oh man i would love to be able to roadmap this better but it's like we fell into success opposed to building success like we built it too fast you know and it was like wow this is it's here and so i would love to have the opportunity to reverse engineer so for sustainability efforts mm -hmm. but it's like now nah, we're here this is it this is what we're rolling with and so that was it was quite it was quite surreal um but the the best moment was actually watching them win it yeah you know um i, I mean it, it's hard but i wanted to be out there and watch the confetti fall and watch them enjoy it because i mean that's the whole point of all this but i wanted to feel that i wanted to feel that so if it ever did happen one day because it's a rare thing no matter where you are uh but it would it'll feel that much better yeah and Zach, you yourself had an impressive run with your team doing uh, doing a little dancing. We did. We uh, made it to the Elite Eight this year, which I don't think anyone expected us to even get past the second round. So that's pretty cool. Not quite the championship game, but that's what we got gearing up for this year. Yeah, our, our mutual friend, Allie Kirshner, she got to, she to walk the dance. And, and took it for us, which was Walk out her. on top. I've known Allie for a long time. She worked at Kansas when I was there. Um, so it was really cool to see one of your friends um, and colleagues obviously bring home the championship. Yeah, now she's kicking ass with art coaching. Well, let, let's walk into our, our our training session. So that essentially just said, set you free. Not often do I get an opportunity to be coached. So I was like, all right, let's find something I can fail at. And then you walked us through 
essentially your pregame, which I thought it was fascinating, man. So let's let's start there. What what is your approach to getting your guys ready for the game, and how can we help educate the coaches out there to learn from your experience? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there there needs to be a little context because the one thing that's interesting is you know if you're outside looking in you kind of wonder where a lot of these traditions came from like you Mm -hmm. see a bunch of mini band work and you see a bunch of you know kind of like frou-frou stuff and you kind of wonder like where did all this come from you know and when you travel around and you realize you don't have access to anything and not saying you need fancy equipment to do good training but you're really limited especially on the road and so it gets interesting really quick like well how are you going to develop you know, athletes when most of the season is on the road and you're stuck in hotel rooms and then you're stuck in hallways and arenas, like where are we actually going to get the training done? And so, you know, just by environment alone, and luckily because I didn't have any norms or NBA traditions coming into it because I came from the college sector, I just tried my own thing. And so mm-hmm. I just set up everybody on the baseline. And so part of their routine, it's pretty simple. Um, when we get there, it's about two and a half hours before tip maybe even three hours, depending on our setup, uh, guys come in one by one. And so they have their individual shooting times, and that's all done before the 40 minutes on the clock. So 40 minutes on the clock, coach speaks, and then the remainder of time is getting getting ready for the game. But in their individual shooting times, I take the guys, they'll come through the baseline, and then they will go through their training with me. And so for us, uh, it's like our micro-micro-dosing. And it's our way of getting in as many training sessions because there's 72 games in last season. So that's 72 opportunities to be able to get some motor learning and some load in. And that's a pretty special amount of time because when you add 10 minutes up over 72 periods, that's a lot of training time. And just because it's only five or 10 minutes in, in that one session, when you accumulate that, that's a lot of time you could get some stuff done. So that's where we do a lot of motor learning strategies more so than true load like you would experience in a traditional weight room. So for that, we actually break it off into a couple of segments. So the first is want to feel something, right? And that feel is individual or individualized for that specific athlete on things that they just can't really access. So like from a, let's just say from a range of motion standpoint for a joint, a lot of guys like hips, shoulders, you know, typical stuff, foot and ankle, are limited based off the sport they play. So depending on their limitation, we attack a feel component. So you could use FRC, you could use uh, yoga techniques. There's a lot of things that you could use just to get that feel aspect. So the one that we did on the video today was, man, I I just look at you and you're a strong dude. And I'm like, he's muscle Like a Lego, (laughs) blocked. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So because of the, your stature, I knew you were probably going to be limited in internal hip rotation because you move stuff often, which is, hey, don't get me wrong, from moving something heavy from point A to point B, that's what you need. But at moving super high velocities, you need a, you need some internal hip rotation. So we challenged that. So for him, we went through a single leg RDL and then broke it down. And so we we're accessing uh, internal hip rotation the best of our ability. And so once we got them into IR, glutes lit up mm-hmm. like you wouldn't believe, right? And then that's when we can find pronation of the foot. And when we have those things correlating, then we can coil out of it and boom, create elasticity. And so that's where we start with the feel component. So we need to feel something that you don't necessarily feel enough of so that we can open up the window of opportunity to load it. So now we're moving on to the load. And 
it's hard to get load when you don't have a weight room. So you use a lot of manual resistance or we actually use water bags because um, so, that's something we can take on the road and fill yeah. up. So I'm obsessed with water bags now. Uh, but I can get those things up to 75 pounds. And if I put anyone in a single leg stance and have that water moving, that's load. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough for anybody, no matter how strong you are. So then we'll go into a load. And that load is usually in the form of an isometric. So once again, it's taking that feel component. We go into a load, into an isometric. Once again, we're still load or we're still feeling, but it's now we're doing it with load. And then we challenge. And that's once again, you take a lighter load, like a like a lighter aqua bag, or you take like a lighter, like a 10 kilo plate. And then from there, we are complementing a movement at lower velocity. So what we did was we did a single leg RDL, finding internal hip rotation, and then going into locomotion. So this is where you can kind of like start making some connections with some Franz Bosch methods. So we went from a single leg RDL into internal hip rotation and then into a smooth motion driving our foot onto a ramp or onto a box. So now we're going into locomotion, feel that. Now we're challenging that through actual movement. And then, all right, let's add velocity, performance. So now drop the weight and then go as fast as you can. And then we do a very much more complex pattern. Like, do you, do your guys have a sense of what's going on? Do they feel their ability to move and through space seamless and effortlessly improve? Or is it just they're, they're focused on their, their skill and their game and their warm up? So the, there's some guys that are like so in tune with their body. It's scary. Like yeah. it's, it's hindering, you know, and that's where you're like, oh my gosh, like you feel too much. You know what I mean? Where it's, it's becomes like, uh, like, uh, like challenging their mind. <laughs> it's like, Hey, just relax. It's okay. Just, just go play basketball. And then you have the others that are like, I don't know what we're doing here, but I'm here because this is my contract and uh, I want to make a good impression. <laughs> it's like, well, I like you too, because yeah. then you're, you're compliant. Uh, but the idea is that you're in these moments, it's exploratory. You know, this is the time where I'm taking something and reverse engineering it from their sport. So for example, if they're poor at change of direction or they can improve and change the direction, well, hey man, all I'm going to do is try to make you feel these positions so that when you actually go out there and move and move laterally, you should feel more seamless, more efficient, more effective. And that's the goal, right? That uh-huh. we create efficiency. And so we do that through motor learning. And that's where a lot of the people I think mess up is that they think strength and conditioning is all about um, the hardware of the body. Like, okay, we just got to get you bigger, faster, stronger. Well, how does that happen? How can I, like the challenge to me, especially with older athletes is, do you make them bigger, faster, stronger by giving them more load? Or can I just take who they are and just challenge them from a motor learning standpoint, from a movement efficiency standpoint? Because unfortunately they play 3.6 games a week and asking for more outputs it's just, I'm going to steal their resources from them performing in the game. And if I'm stealing their resources from them performing in the game, then I'm not doing my job, right? I'm taking their job away. So that's where, you know, now once again, back in college, totally different scenario, but working with the world's best, I mean, that's who they are. Like there's 30 teams in professional sports. They're the best in the world at what they do. My goal is to make them better without stealing their resources. And that's where a lot of these motor learning strategies come from and just getting them better at movement efficiency. Now, don't get me wrong. There's secret ways that we get load. It's not too secret, but there's ways that we get load to them, but it's at the, the right opportunities. And so once again, this pregame opportunity, is just a way of opening up the windows. So when they go into their individual shooting, they feel good going onto the court. They're like, ah, yeah, that. I, I have an opportunity to now move a little bit better, move a little bit faster, and then I'm adding skill on top of that. Yeah. And so because of that, ah, I might be actually getting better. 
And then once they get better, then we go, oh, well, what's the next thing? And now let's make that more complex. Let's make it a little bit harder. Like how are we gonna challenge this without stealing their physical resources? And that's where some of the Bosch stuff comes in that I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. So then we go to yeah, a 40 minute mark, yeah. coach talks to the guys, 20 minutes they're in layup lines, boom, game. Yeah, and is this is gonna lead into Zach, a question for Zach, but is there like an NBA off season for you? This year, no. <laughs> this year because we're in a quite an interesting scenario because we, we've obviously made it to the last round, made it to a game six in the finals, and then they now want to get the regular NBA season back on track. So they want to go back to the original start date. So now the window of offseason is even shorter. All right. So for high-minute guys, the priority truly is restoration. Man. So then, like, I know the, the, the college side of things, that's like all off season and then in-season. How can you describe that to our listeners? Uh, I would say in-season we're pretty similar to Corey. We don't obviously travel as much, but um, anytime we practice, we lift or do something in the weight room before. So like 20 to 30 minutes um, and kind of working on, you know, fine tuning the stuff we built through the summer. So the summer... Um, your terms of hardware, like you do all the your traditional strength conditioning um, stuff, and then more in season, it's fine tuning of like what do the high minute people need, what do the athletes that don't play need, um, do they need speed, do they need strength, is movement more of a priority, is efficiency more of a priority? So that's kind of how we fine tune it every day. And these athletes come in different every day, just depending on you know the stressor from the practice before. Do they get enough sleep? Are they hydrated? Did they eat that day? Um, all those factors. So social stuff. Exactly. So <laughs> things that way out of our control will affect what we do that that training session. So then, how how do you assess and guide? It's not like all right, here's our program. Do it. You got assessment tools in place. Yeah, we'll do. We have different um, assessment tools. Like we have force plates, um, elite form, and then catapult. So we'll take you know how they produce force. Force can be affected by numerous things every single day. Um, so we'll jump them more frequently throughout the season. And that's just a small metric that we use into the whole equation. So let's say if I look at the force plate and the rate of force development went down and I look at the leap form and the bar speed went down, I'm going to start asking questions of, hey, how was yesterday? Like, what did practice look like yesterday? What was the load? Did you sleep all right? Do you have a test coming up? Do you have any other stressors that we don't know about. And then I can adjust their workout from there. Or, you know, it's a low minute player. Everything's going good. Let's keep going. Um, so it's kind of day by day. I think our questionnaire is just a simple conversation before we start the workout. They get there 20 minutes early to work on their stuff. And then through there, we'll have conversations of, hey, how do you feel? Um, this is what we got on the agenda today. How does that feel with what you feel like doing? And then we'll come up with a plan. Yeah, that conversation is important. Corey, do you, like, I imagine your relationship with the guys is pretty tight. Like, how's that conversation go in terms of weight into the assessment before they got to do awesome stuff? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit different because the power dynamics are different. And this mm -hmm. is something I talk to Zach about a lot is, you know, in, in college, and that's, I loved college. Like, my college experience was the best. And there's a, there's a dynamic where you have a coach, and then you have the student athlete. And I hate to pair it to where like the coach is above the student athlete. But as far as, you know what, I am the coach. I tell you what to do because I know what's better for you to get better. 
And don't get me wrong, there's a two-way conversation, right? It's like, oh, but this doesn't hurt. Okay, we'll find another alternative. But there is a power dynamic. Well, in the NBA, it's quite the opposite. It's, well, they get paid millions of dollars, and I don't get paid millions of dollars. <laughs> and if I sneeze wrong, then it could be like, well, we don't really like you around here, Corey, so we're just going to buy your contract and you go. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen. But, you know, the power dynamics are so different. And because of that, it's really I'm their assistant. I'm not their coach. Like I might have a coaching title, but the way I view the relationship with them is we're, we're kind of coworkers. It's not the same, you know, mm-hmm. so like we're the same age. You know, it's like when we talk, we have grown up conversations. So it's more and because of their 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 vast experience, they've seen more coaches and strength coaches than I've been at certain places. I mean, these guys. I mean, they could be on six different teams in six different years, and they've had six different strength coaches. Some they like, some they don't like. Yeah. And they've done some things that they love and some things they absolutely hate. So for me to come in and go, hey, this is what we got today, you know, they're they're like, what do you mean this is what we got today? <laughs> so each individual, that's where it gets a little complicated because I have guys based off their experience that some love Olympic lifts, but most of the time I'm never going to hit an Olympic lift with a – with an NBA player because they don't have that type of experience. So as far as like the assessment, when they come in, it's like, how are you feeling today? What are you feeling today? Like, what do you think we need to get in? Now, the only thing that I do different is I just schedule what kind of stressor it's going to get. So for instance, if it's a high day, like we're practicing high, so we need a high stressor as far as the weight room so we can you know, undulate, if you will, I need to give them some type of heavy resistance. Now, how that heavy resistance happens, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like a, a machine. It's a belt squat. Some other guys might be a front squat. But, you know, the guys that are really experienced, they want to do some crazy stuff. That's awesome. But, once again, they're like up to 32 years old. You know, it's kind of hard. Like, heck, we had one guy that's 36 years old. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, like, yo, we're going to put a bar on your back today. Let's do this. Let's grind. Like, it's kind of hard to have this culture of this is the specific philosophy that we are going to do as far as a training. It's Mm -hmm. every athlete has their own philosophy, and I find a way to bring the right stressor to that. So that's where it's a little bit different. It's hard to go, here's an assessment tool that we're going to use. Everybody get on the force plate today. Like, that's what college was awesome because you can dictate things, Mm -hmm. 1 through 15. One through 15 in the NBA, it's same, you know, and that's where it's like, as much as we have access and availability to cool technologies, it, it doesn't find its way like that, you know? So that's, that's the part that's a little bit different, but it's really just a handshake. Like, yo, what's up? How you feeling? Boom. Oh, okay. You got some pep in your step today. We're going. Okay. Today's a heavy practice day. So we probably need to get this done. Cool. I'll see you before or I'll see you after. So that's really the assessment tool from that point. Man. And how involved are both of you in like the sport coaches, you see the practices or they, they give you the plans and then you have to adjust. Do you hang out at the practices? Like, how's that relationship? Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I think you always got to be at practice um, just because, as we know, especially in college, like there could be a plan and a drill doesn't go the way you want to do it. And all of a sudden you're on the baseline running sprints for 20 minutes. And so that light day just went to a heavy day. Um, so I think that's why every day, like the whole like, four-week plan periodization model for basketball is useless um, just because one day that's different, um, your next day is obviously going to be affected for sure. A hundred percent. Periodization is is a joke. God. There's no such thing as periodization. No. Like, Wait, you guys CrossFitters or? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just 
grind, grind, grind. Now it's more of like, hey, let's just relax. Mm-hmm. Let's relax some more. Let's relax the most. <laughs> you know? uh, but yeah, as far as like practice involvement, like, you have to be there. You have to see what they're doing. And you have to be seen on the floor too, in my opinion, because you need to be as much of a part of practice as possible. Because if they're coming off that floor and you're just hanging out in your office and you're like, all right, here we go, five by threes, we're hitting 80%. And they're going to look at you like, bro, did you just see what we just did? Like, yeah. that's not happening. And they see that you're invested in the ultimate goal is them getting better at basketball. Yep. And so if it shows my time I'm out there watching and engaged the whole time. It shows like he's invested in what I'm doing. And therefore, he wants what's best for me. Instead 100%. Of just, like what you said, come in and we're going to back squat today. And it's like, we just ran you know, yes. gassers, what, what are you thinking? Well, if you look at like the, these titles, right? Like titles mean nothing in the NBA. And that's the part of the NBA that I love is, you know, quote unquote, I'm the director of performance slash head strength conditioning coach. But I literally have a towel on my shoulder. And when there's sweat on the ground, I'm wiping it at everyone's feet like a NASCAR pit crew. Like if somebody falls, I'm literally on my hands and knees just wiping up sweat. And people get this like thought that, oh, I want to be, you know, a strength coach in college or a strength coach in the NBA. And it's like, you know, you're still doing like blue collar stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it shows even better that like that's how invested you are in the team. That, for like, sure. You're not above passing out water, cleaning up sweat, you know, picking up a guy's dirty towel. 100%. Uh, it's just all like the whole one goal type thing. Whatever needs to be done to win a championship, like I'll get it on and scrub sweat. I don't care. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> we were talking about last night. He was like, he was talking about interns and managers. And I was like, bro, we don't have that. He's like, what do you mean you don't have interns and managers? I'm like, no, we do that. Like, we're all like directors of performance or directors of sports medicine or head strength coach, head ATC. Corey's, Corey's the floor sweat guy. Yeah, I'm the floor sweat guy. I'm the well, guy that's putting bags on the conveyor belt. I'm the guy's like, from the bubble. I was following the coffee game. Oh, the coffee game was strong. My man Kohei. Oh, he was hold, that for he the the players or the the coaches? Okay, 100 percent was for me. Like like a hundred percent. So selfish. Uh, but it was 100 percent. My man Kohei. Uh, he's my uh, sports scientist. He's brilliant. But we've had a relationship since Stanford. And um, it started Kohei's Coffee Shop. And so really it was for us staff because we are, I think most staffs are just huge coffee connoisseurs. Um, and for obvious reasons, right? Stimulants. <laughs> it could be other stimulants. That'd be bad. But <laughs> it depends on what you can afford, I guess. But anyways, so we uh, we set up our coffee shop in the in the bubble. And now the players can smell it. And all of a sudden, like, you know, I had some European guys who are like, ah, espresso, espresso. And I was like, oh, we don't do espressos, but we'll figure it out. You know, we'll just add more grounds and less water. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then next thing you know, coaches started asking for it. And man, boom, now we got a barista. So we we don't have a barista. Yeah, that's that's just me. (laughs) You big monster guy? Uh, Nah, I haven't quite fallen into that yet. I'm waiting for that. I take you as like a BC powder kind of guy, you know, (laughs) trucker stop stuff. Exactly. Exactly. What C two to the face? (laughs) Yeah, basically. Uh, Dry scooping. Is that what you call it? Dry scooping. Term for this? Okay. Actually, my fiance is huge. Like that, she does all of her pre workouts that way. Just takes it boom to the dome, and I'm like, yo, that's not. Well, it's kind of hot. (laughs) Don't hurt me. That doesn't sound pleasant at all. And you know what? It shows some. It shows some G though. So yeah, I give her that. Grit. She goes and deadlifts and squats heavy right after. So I'm like, well, maybe there's something to it. I'm not on board. <laughs> <laughs> he does not prescribe. No. to the dry scooping. <laughs> oh, it, I'm sure all that stuff's like a 
illegal for pros, right? What All kind the cra- of stuff? I don't know. The C2s, the off the shelf. Oh, yeah. I mean, for us, it's, there's, I mean, there's obviously a substance uh, or a banned substance list, but for us, it's like, as long as it's NSF, we're good. Uh-huh. You know, as far as what we provide for the athletes, we just third, third party that one because we do not want that problem. You know? Yeah. So everything for us is, everything's NSF certified. Yeah. Back, back when I was in college, dude, like even like caffeine, Red Bull, simple shit like that. I remember one of my teammates, uh, chugging Red Bull and put it on like the, uh, the scoreboard stand, like mm-hmm. the, and then like the coach comes up and he's like, looks around. It's like, who is this? It's like, uh, I don't know, coach. He was like the closest dude to it. I don't know, coach. It was here when I got here and just like, uh, really you know, Red Bull was like a no go. Yeah. Oh, you can't do caffeine stimulant. I, think I caffeine mean, this is, is on the list. Oh four to oh eight was yeah. the uh, the glory days of lacrosse. Now it's downhill from there. But um, <laughs> no, nah, I kid. Man, I don't know. You can even really think so. I mean, they're so NCAA, NCAA so has strict. the dumbest rules. I'm sorry, I'll say it on this side. So Zach doesn't yeah. get any like. But it like the dumbest rules are in NCAA by far. What's your take on the new NIL oh. as a non-contributor <laughs> now? I, I'll say this: I'm pumped. Pumped? I'm, I'm pumped for it. Uh, I'm pumped for kids being able to make money off their own brand. Like, why wouldn't they be able to? I mean, sh- shoot, I did. You know, I'm as a coach, like, I made money. I created a social media so that I could have more exposure, more opportunities, and it worked out well for me. These kids, they don't get to do the same. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Like, that's absolutely crazy. So, for me, but now this is going to be the part that's going to get, like, the separation of the oil and water is what are the individual institutions going to allow? And so that's, to me, is going to change the landscape of you might get some low majors that can actually recruit top 25 kids because what they're allowed to do. Ah, and it's like they can make the yeah. most money at North Arizona University or, opposed uh, to going to Arizona State. You know, like I'd be very curious to see how this all pans out because it's, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Zach's scared to death. No comment. <laughs> no, I think comment. it's great. I think it's great for – and they get an opportunity to make, you know, money off what they do. I mean, there's that one cat at Alabama. Brand. He's yeah. like hasn't taken a snap yet and already got seven seven figures. Yeah. Oh, and also Master P's son, he's rise he's incoming freshman at Middle Tennessee, maybe. Make him say, Oh uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Good for him. Middle Tennessee is a no limit soldier. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be exciting. Uh, for music the record, he doesn't get the yeah, music, music reference. Yeah, music reference. That's us, Zach. <laughs> yeah, we'll draw the line there. Yeah. I don't get music. Uh, <laughs> anyone interested, any D3 All-Stars, power athlete is looking. There you go. For, give you some gear. Give you some training. Email raven at powerathletehq.com. Love that. Suit up. Wow. There the you plug. go. Yeah. The plug. Yeah. Uh, you sponsoring strength coaches yet? Yeah. That, yo, I'm waiting on that. I'm still waiting on sponsor deals. <laughs> now, would I get anybody any money? Probably not. Yeah. But I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, oh, actually, shout, shout out to Bill Campo Meat. Tim Shadow Corton. Promo code Corton. <laughs> you need a coffee deal, dude. I should get a coffee deal. But okay, here's the funny thing. I actually quit coffee. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't want to break it to you. Yeah. So oh, I quit coffee. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't. <laughs> so do you just go? Straight scooping or just, whatever that's called? Just dry scooping with my fiance. Uh, um, actually, I have a, a, a brilliant colleague. His name is Daniel Bove. He's with the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, we have a, a great relationship. And he told me he's been like coffee free for six months. And it's the best his gut. 
brain. Like he's like, I'm just, I'm very good right now. And I was oh. like, wow, you know, me, I'm the exact opposite. So I'm gonna just try it. Cause that's the one thing that I abuse the most. Like when I look back and I'm like, okay, what do I eat the most? What do I drink the most? Like lotions, like what am I putting on my body the most? Okay. I need to reverse engineer. And like one of these are the problem. And coffee is the one thing I just abuse the most. So I hope it's not coffee. I really hope it's not coffee either because I love coffee. Well, how long How long are you giving yourself? Like 30 days? Well, I'm on day three right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's big time. So I'm crushing it. But um, I mean, can, compared 30 to 30 days, you can tell me you quit coffee. Just like I haven't I had, had coffee in three days. And I was just like, dude, should I keep this in the backseat? Can you smell this? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, my my love and obsession. It's really the process. I think that's why I love it so much. It's a part of my morning routine. And the more and more you get into it, the more you're like, okay, well, the acidity and then the, the right oh temperature. You know, I became that guy. And that's what I was. I think I was more obsessed with the process than I was the, the product. So you're a water guy now? Like so now, tap water into the Brita, Brita into the <laughs> something. Boy, no, test the alkaline. You yeah. get the strips. Yeah. I'm more of like a, like, can I get fresh air guy? Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, being in the valley, like, yeah. oh, the air quality is awful. It is? Awful. Oh, yeah, in the valley. Yeah, in Phoenix, air quality is terrible. It's just too many damn people? Or does nah, it get trapped in there? It gets the trapped. It gets trapped, you know? And so, like, when I go up to Flagstaff, I'm sitting there like, <laughs> like a fiend just absorb oh my god yes fresh air and i'm like yeah this is what i need to get to one day because i'm thinking about longevity now <laughs> yeah i'm s spoiled out here in the hill country recently traveled got off the plane and waiting for a pickup and i smelled a cigarette for the first time in fucking ever oh, and i was hurt. dying i was like this is this is horrendous that's how that's why i stay out of the city yeah. And we were at Summer League literally just two days ago, and I walked through the casino, and I'm like, I'm sick. You can smoke like, in the casinos? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, on a freight train. There, yeah. 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 Oh, and just, uh, I'll just say this. Like, I'm not saying that quality, like, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. But, like, the quality of people that are just there, just freight train smoking, you just walk life. by, and you're like, bro, like, if you can just see yourself, I don't think you understand how bad <laughs> this is for you and everybody around you. Well, like, and they're yeah. probably boozing. It's like, how many oh, addictions can I get in this seat? And meanwhile, oh, you're like worried about drinking too much coffee. Coffee, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like too much stimulant, too much. Oh man, do you? Uh, are you allowed to gamble? Uh, no, at all. Not even it, like um, blackjack. Oh, that type of stuff. Um, I, I'm going to roll the dice here. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, I think I can, That's, but is I can't sport. I can't obviously bet on games. Nah, definitely not betting on games. Do you have that? Like, do you have a table game? Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a sucker roulette. So I just play black red odd even, and I go hard, and I got my method. So method's really simple. Let me know. I, I have no idea. I just waste money on roulette. This is actually my boy Derek Paris <laughs> told me this. Uh, so basically, whatever you go in with, say you go in with like five hundred dollars. All right, put a hundred on for sure. Easy. Yeah. Put <laughs> put a put a hundred on black or red, right? Or odd and even, whatever the 50-50 ones are. Okay. If you lose, you double it. If you lose, you triple it. So at some point when you hit, you're going to recoup and then benefit. So for me, it's like, okay, you win. Great. You pocket it. And then just keep playing that game. And then more than likely, like I come out pretty solid, but not this time in Vegas. Nah. What? Five rolls all black and just hot. Oh, a hundred percent. It was the exact same scenario, but red. And I was like, dude, you got to be kidding me. So. Yeah, then I started I playing odds and evens, and that went even worse. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. My per diem is done. <laughs> I remember I went in college, and me and my buddies went. I was like, 100 on black, 100 
red gone. I was like, all right, I got another hundred bucks. Did it. Lost again. It was like three times in a row. Can't, right. Lost. Had no money for the rest of the weekend. It was, <laughs> it was, awesome. it was sick. Yeah. Great <laughs> Vegas experience. Yeah. Uh, Pre-Vegas, I had the training wheels. That is Atlantic City mm. on that oh, East Coast. Okay, okay. So learned a little bit how to protect yourself. And mostly from the mistakes of my peers, we uh, couldn't rent a car. Like 25 years old, couldn't rent a car oh, until you're 25. Oh, we yeah. were seniors in college at this point. So all 22 None of us wanted to take our vehicles up there because, you know, like eight dudes. So we rented a U-Haul van. Oh. Two in the front and then six guys. We just took all our college couch cushions, rolled up to Atlantic City. And, uh, you sleep in it too? This is legendary. Well, freaking uh, swinger style. As soon as we got out of this U-Haul after a six, seven hour drive, this is maybe midnight now. We all just suited up and walked in like we owned the place. But then <laughs> dudes... Couple of guys were broke in thirty minutes. Right. Uh, I pulled out two hundred dollars cash and was worried, but then, like, hit blackjack. I, like, I went up and we went around and uh, like the last one we were at, like, guys were hitting at the the Trump Hotel, and so it's like, all right, we're gonna ride these two guys' waves. The rest of us that are out of money, we're just gonna hang around and and freaking watch like it's the Hangover. This is pre Hangover, but. Uh, yeah, man, just some adventures to learn from. Okay, then there's this option called the nickel slots that we're going to go kill a few hours where these guys are actually know what they're doing and then check in on them. But we were there for 13 hours and then drove straight back. And did anybody come out like serious? Uh, serious good or yeah, serious, serious bad? Well, both since we're here. The Yeah, well, the, the go- <laughs> let's, let's say the goalie finished low. And then our, our defenseman, he finished on top, but it was enough of the trip to realize like, okay, $2 can get, $200 can get you up. And then like the per diem, once it's gone. And we had a tradition, like each bar, the big winner from the previous casino, you buy a round of car bombs. So like I was the big winner and immediately that was gone because freaking car bombs and AC. Yeah. It ain't cheap <laughs> uh, for eight dudes. And then, uh, yeah, so yeah. it was uh, it was a learning experience. But then training wheels for the Vegas time that I've I've never lost money in Vegas. I spent money, you. but I've never lost money gambling. Stuck to blackjack because I uh, any roulette, it's like I'm going to pick my uh, lacrosse number and then pff, lose. Right, okay, I don't right. want to lose anymore. Uh, but I, I guess the odds of winning a number are pretty damn high. Like Man. hitting that. Facts. And that's like, I saw all these other people strategically putting their stuff down. And I'm like, oh, black. <laughs> and they're just looking at me like, you simple minded. Yeah. <laughs> is there a strategy? I mean, for them, I think there is. But for me, I'm just like, look, I'm sticking to my principles. Yeah. I usually come out on top. But this time I did not. Well, actually, um, OK, I came out on top and then I got greedy. So I walked away from the table, me and my assistant. And then as I'm walking back through, I'm on the I'm texting with my fiance and I go, babe, red or black? She's like, red. I'm like, all right. So I take 800, put it on red. And I'm like, because if I come out, I come out. Did not come out. And then I text her and I'm like, I lost it. She goes, it's your fault. I'm like, no, it's actually your fault. But yeah, you tell me. it's still my fault. But, you know, regardless. Yeah. Well, you did text her. I did text her. I did. I said, babe, you're involved. You're in this. Man. This is this is going to be your future life. <laughs> Gambling on my decisions. Yeah. One game I do want to get into is yeah. uh, is the craps, right? The dice. Oh, yeah. That looks awesome. Looks yeah. like a fun time. I don't get it, but it's big in movies. Yes. I have no idea what's going on, but man, they get rowdy. Yeah. Uh, Wellborn's a big craps guy, but just the... Uh... I like the team environment of it. <laughs> right, right. I like that. Uh, but there's always one guy. 
Yeah, but there's always rooting one guy against. on a team too. There's no, but rooting against the, the vibe and the energy of the table. I just don't understand the psychology, so I can watch that guy and root against him. I'm rooting know, I, against everyone else. I dig that guy. I dig that no. guy. No. Yeah, I dig <laughs> that guy. The villain? He's the villain? Are you rooting for the Dude, Joker? He's Dude, got a bald head. I'm all about the villains. He's a villain. Every villain's got a bald head. Brother, you have a bald <laughs> head as well. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, now I'm thinking like run through all the Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah, that's like the only one. Yeah, I feel like there's always but now right. a Doctor Evil and he's like awesome. Doctor Evil, Evil. Evil, Jeff Bezos. Wow, I'll take Bezos. Yeah, I'd love to be that kind of evil. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Like sure. world, like world changing evil. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, have you all seen the spaceship meme? No. No. Jeff Bezos spaceship. <laughs> oh yes, the fat, the phallic spaceship. <laughs> yes. yes, he's a winner. He's a winner. I mean, ha- oh, wing hats wing, off. Whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, hats off to the scientists. They were able to like pull okay. that off. Yeah, yeah get yeah. that to the moon and yeah. back. Science, science. <laughs> yeah, off the rails as per usual. Yeah, what training. else? <laughs> <laughs> and now let's lift weights. Yeah. The uh well, I mean, what are the biggest differences between pro and college? Zach, you've got some athletes that have have now gone pro, Olympic gold medalists, right? So yeah. you get a taste of that when they, they interact with you or come back and train. So like what are the biggest differences when we talk about being a professional athlete versus being the the college guy? I would say nine day, but I'll start like Zach, you should start off the college, like how many games they play a week, season, yeah. and then I'll follow up. See how we game plan that? No one heard that. All right, let's go. So we have 30 to 35 games, hopefully. And Corey, you have around 72 last season, but it'll be 82 next year. So and that's just plus. regular season. And then the playoffs, obviously, what, 4 8, 12, 16? Yeah. Yeah. So 16 is the minimum amount of games mm-hmm. to, to win a championship. We probably have them on campus longer than you guys have access to them throughout the year. Exactly. So we probably like three weeks off, four weeks off total throughout the year. Um, and your guys, it's probably, I mean, your starters, you're probably not going to see them for a while. I probably won't see them until around training camp. So for you, how long is the actual season? It would be beginning of November to hopefully April. So how many months is that? Um, do the math. No, well, I'm counting. Long. I'm not a math guy. <laughs> One, two, three. And then the new year. How many is this? Yeah, Seven? About half the year. Ours is like eight to nine. Yeah. So like that's, you know what I'm saying? Like that's where in season for us is the only time to get training really in unless you're not playing in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's the hard part. Like year one, it was like, oh man, look at all this open time we got. Year two, I'll see you guys at training camp. Yeah. You, know? you screwed it up by going to the finals. Less time to hit the weight room. Well, idiots. Yeah. Idiots. Love losing in the finals. Anyways, uh, but yeah, like with my college experience, it was we had more preparation time than we do competition time. Mm. But in football, it's even more so. Like I look at college football and I'm like, oh, amazing, right? Like no wonder why they get to have these cultures and, you know, whatever driven by the string coach because the majority of the year is dictated by the string coach. And that's where it's uh, the exact opposite, especially like the extreme end, which is the NBA, is, you know, we play 3.6 games in a week. And then we travel like you wouldn't believe. You know, like I remember when I was in the Pac-12, we only played like Thursday, Saturday. And then we traveled every other week. And I look back at that and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Like I used to complain about that travel then. Now it's like, oh, geez, like I 
it's not even worth mentioning. Yeah, I'm sure the MLB coaches are like, shut the fuck oh, up. Oh, exactly. Hey, and exactly. <laughs> that actually is the other extreme. It should be the. And they're there all baseball. day. And they're there all, all day. day. All day and all. Yeah. You know what? Let's not even bring them into the conversation because that is like yeah. beyond extreme. Like, I had no ambition for that one. None. None. But at least we're indoors. That part's cool. Sure. Love that. Sure. And we wear tank tops. Jersey season year round. Of course, yeah. you're doing arms. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> do you have to convince anyone to do arms? You don't have to name names. Um, convince people to do arms. No. But it I actually it's I have to convince them to do the exact opposite. I have to convince them to do legs. <laughs> that's what I, I have to convince that. them to do. Arms, yeah, that's pretty easy. But um, except for shooters. Shooters want to stay away from arms, which I'm kind of with them on that. Because um, ah. they're I mean, it's a soft skill, right? Like it's it takes a lot to or it takes a little to throw off that rhythm. Do every high school basketball coach yeah. just jumped all over that and are going to eat that clip up. Yep. How would you advise them to encourage their high school shooters yeah. to lift weights? They're not that good at shooting, so they're good. <laughs> yeah, they're like, fine. like they're, they're fine. You know, like, and then when, the younger you are, the more plastic you are. And what I mean by that is like, literally you can train everything concurrently. Rather it's, you're learning about adult education. <laughs> to like swimming, to bowling, to shooting, and also lifting weights. And concurrently, all those are going to come up together. Um, yeah. When you get older, that changes significantly. Yeah, you was have it, to really, really understand the stressors and how they have effect on skill. We had a couple of years at a private high school, and then the only coach that I had a challenge connecting the value of the weight room was the basketball coach and for that reason. And I'm like, I And then... The, uh, we would do similar approach for the warm up, just body weight movements, and then eventually would get them in the weight room in season. How the how the private school was set up, weight room access in season only. But then each student, so it was a private school, each student would play three sports a year, so they get exposure to the weight room year round. But then it's like, all right, basketball focused in the weight room, and then man, those those guys were beat up. So oh, then our hungry. weight room sessions yeah. were. Twisting, bending, uh, doing any one following power athletes, iron flex. That's the model of it. Aiming to improve athleticism, strength through some manual resistance, a lot of ice stability. And then the coach would observe and just took that away. And that, it was body, into bodybuilding. That would be what I would do with any kids at that age. Like, yeah. What was it called again? Uh, we, uh, one of our programs, iron flex, that's all I would use. Like, mm -hmm. like, I don't even know what's in it, but based off the three things that you said are in it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I, that's all kids need. Well, that's what, like we, I'm sure you got a million emails from high school coaches, but oh. like, what should we do? And it's like, we can get them strong. Don't worry about that. Make sure they can move once they get here. So I don't have to undo everything. Right. Um, like it's not hard to make somebody strong. It's progressive overload. I tell them when I was in college, I like every recruit that came in, mm -hmm. I'd like stop lifting. Yeah. I would just tell them to stop because I don't want to have to redo the BS that is coming uh -huh. in because or you get hurt. Yeah, or... exactly. Like, okay. Yeah, cool. Like you're going to be this guy. Well, everybody's going to try to latch onto your success. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to train you so hard you're that they're, 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 they're the reason why they got to Stanford or they're the reason they got to the blue blood. And it's like, dude, like, I'm not impressed with your 315 quarter squad yeah. on this kid that's like literally like shaking under a tree. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, I'm not impressed by it. Like, and I never will be impressed by it. And so, and that's that was the unfortunate thing about like having a following. Yeah. Like, especially like Stanford was these guys like thought that was their way in. 
And so they would be like sending me videos yeah. and look what we're doing. I'm like, just stop. Yeah. Like I, I, you try not to be rude, but yeah. you're like, you're messing up my recruit. Yeah. Like I got him for four years. You got him for three months. Yeah. He like, doesn't need to deadlift 400 pounds. Facts. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, we're trying bar in the world. And I'm like, Ugh. are you no, really? Like, yeah. You're picking like, it up. I don't know if that's a deadlift. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what that is exactly. <laughs> but you know, that's where I have to undo so much. And then their biases coming in, you know, now it's like, so that's where my best approach, but it was also my most exhausting was pulling them in and then being their coach. So it's like, because I had influence that I can go in and be like, hey, have you ever thought about doing this, this, and this? And it should look like this. I'll send you videos and then they would apply that. Mm. And then that's kind of what the NBA is kind of like, because when they go home, they got their guys. Yeah. You know, they got their guys and that's totally cool. Like at first I thought that would be like intimidating. At first I'd be like, oh man, like how's this going to work? Like I'm with them for eight months and they're with them for like a month and a half, two months. And then, you know, like it's the, my guy. And the reality is not you. It's it is their guy. Yeah. And your goal is to be a part of their guy. And so, hey, this is what we've been doing. Whatever you see fits, let's go. And you bring them into the fold and empower them as much as possible. So can. then, the day like they are seeing them every day for that month. Like exactly. You are. So they're, they're going to. They do have a better. They have a way better tote pulse. A way better pulse. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Do uh, Zach the girls that went on to the WNBA. Do they have any access to training, weight room? Are they still leaning on you to give them tools? It's kind of both like that. Like um, I'll send plans out when they ask them for it. And I'm like, hey, here's what you know you were doing before. Show this to your new guy. Um, see what he sees every day. Um, if he has a question or whatever, call me. But like, you should defer to your coach that you have now because they see you every day. They're hired by the team. I don't want it to turn into one of those like, this guy in Austin thinks I need to be doing X, Y, Z. And he's like, well, he didn't see practice yesterday. He right. didn't see the game. He didn't see our travel schedule. Um, so just kind of having that open dialogue with their coaches. Um, I mean, they have good coaches right. in that, obviously at the pro level. Um, so it's kind of one of those, hey, here's you know, the plan of what she has been doing. If you want to do that, cool. Or a variation, if you want to do your own thing, like coach what you know. If you don't know what Facts. I have programmed out, like, don't coach it, coach what you're really good at. That's the thing that I've experienced a little bit different is when the, uh, the athlete is actually the coach. Mm -hmm. Like when they're, when they're that invested into themselves, they're getting like 26, 28, 30 years old. They just look like they know more about their body than I ever would because yeah. they're experiencing and they can articulate it. And that's what that to me is like, that's the ultimate athlete is yeah. the one that can actually, and that's why I say I'm their assistant. Mm -hmm. Cause they can actually articulate it to me to the point where I'm like, yo, like, wow, like that's what you're feeling. I know what that is. The fact that you know what that is, is so impressive. All right, let's ride. But those are usually your best players. Cause they bought, finally bought into like taking care of their bodies. And I mean, doing more than just showing up to practice and doing what's on your sheet. And going on. Yeah. We're the best teammates even. Yeah. Maybe they not have the genetic capacity, but then still they're a good representation of what can be done to be a professional for sure athlete the uh dude that's a beautiful point the uh i i give a presentation on friday for the life cycle of a coach which i would love to get into and it's leading these people down uh, a journey a coach's journey and then that's that's the final stage at this point like i'm gonna end the conclude the presentation of i'm at halftime of my career but it leads to the point of the athlete-led outcome yeah so you go through it. Imagine you begin. This is good practice for me because I got to stand up and deliver this in two days. But 
uh, imagine the, the career begins with experience. And recall our first coaching experiences. Mine was a grad assistant lacrosse coach coaching my teammates. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I told him before on the podcast, I injured somebody on day one, rep one. Day one, rep one. I tore their rotator cuff. And oh, it's like, what wow. the fuck am I doing? <laughs> exactly. So like, then it goes through these progressions and then eventually leads to uh, how I'm breaking it down, like three phases. And there's components of each phase. It's, it's coach, it's create, and then teach. So example right now, I'm asking teach related questions for you to explain, but then there's a, a phase where, and we went through this on the previous podcast, you had awesome opportunities through Wake Forest, UNC, and then uh, before UAB, somewhere in California. Uh, Santa Clara. Santa Clara, yeah. where you're the director, and then you got UAB, and then Stanford. So like an awesome um, walkthrough of your career where you started out coaching, and then eventually, somewhere along the lines, you started creating your own program, methodology, right. philosophy, all these things. But before, you had to learn from a lot of mentors. Sure. Right. And then eventually you get into this this teach mode. And that's a lot of the cool stuff and content that, that both of you guys are putting out. It's uh, now you're trying to educate and hand off and empower interns, uh, empower other coaches so they don't F it up. And it's not just mirroring it. They actually understand where this would fit into mm -hmm. an athlete's life cycle. And then the like the the final piece of that teach. Um, let's man. I, drawing a blank right now but the final piece would be athlete-led outcomes to where you're asking them how do they feel what do you want and then it's leading that through it uh a recent podcast i did with justin cavanaugh he had a an athlete jason rogers 100 meter sprinter in the olympics and at that stage like justin's asking him hey what do you want to do today and then he has his map his plan and then he's going to see how connected jason is with the plan and then can convince jason to get on plan but almost giving Jason, this world-class athlete, the keys and then helping him, you know, like the, the co-pilot. Mm -hmm. If we're driving up to Kansas City, somebody's making sure we're staying on track, but then the athletes drive, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that, that's speech in a nutshell. I got 50 minutes to uh, take people on this journey, but that career, you guys have done a great job of maintaining passion for this sport within the, the politics and the, the long hours, which... I mean, selfishly, I want to explore because you guys are doing it. You're out there doing it. I'm sitting here in a podcast room <laughs> hanging out with Charles. It's a cool spot. I mean, it's a dope spot. And <laughs> I don't know Charles, but he looks awesome. So well, he's, he's a big basketball guy. Oh, so well, we, yeah, some we of our conversations. Yeah. But, I mean, that was the career, right? It was, you know, we start off thinking, uh, I've acquired this knowledge. Now I need to expel this knowledge. And I expel this knowledge by, uh, by coaching it. And then this is the way to get it done. There's no other way because this is the way I learned it, which is great because you know, you teach what you know. And that's what Zach talks about all the time, which I love. And then it turns into, well, is that enough? And then you just keep evolving. And then when you have athletes for three to four years, at what point do you go, yo, you should know your body by now. Like, you know, the system, how can we now work without or outside the lines to get your next level? And to me, that's autonomy. And that's what, because I was at Stanford, I had these kids that were just incredible human beings, right? Mm -hmm. They're so, I mean, in every aspect, they're just brilliant, but I'm not just talking about they're so smart. Like socially, they're so like, I mean, it's like they were adults. They're like adult adults. And so from that point, like it was even like year two where I was able to say, 
hey, here's four exercises. You choose which one you want to do. Okay, year three, yo, what are you feeling today? Year four, hey, this is what I'm thinking this week. What are you thinking? And it was because, and that's what it, that's what it should get to because it's almost like, um, was it Bruce Lee or whatever you, like it's it's water, right? Mm-hmm. Like it should flow like water. And my when you start coaching a kid, it's a dam. Like, okay, we got to hold the water here because we got to have structure. And once we show that some structure, okay, now we're going to let out the water. Okay, let's see where the water goes. Ah, we got to build another dam, you know, or it's doing great, you know, just let it flow. But that's kind of the idea is I love, I love what you said, athlete led. Like that's what it should be. It should, and that's why I say, especially at the NBA with older athletes that are more experienced, they like, I'm their assistant. I'm not their coach. I'm literally their assistant in strength. That's it. I think, you know, you've done a great job when you have an athlete that comes up to you and they're like, Hey, my knee's bothering me uh, for back squat. Do you care if I switch it to like a single leg RDL? And you're like, absolutely. That's great. Like, you know, the exercise, you know, what modification we should make. And then obviously if they're able to coach another athlete on, you know, what you want from a certain exercise, like that's, I have two seniors now that I can trust them. They could probably run the session better than me. Don't tell anybody that, but um, (laughs) they do a great job of, you know, like this is our standard. This is how we do things. Um, And then I trust them that when they come in, they're telling me, yo, my legs are done from practice. Can we do whatever modification we want? It's like, yeah, you know, your body the best, you know, they've seen what stuff works, what doesn't. Um, So I think that's how, you know, you've done a good job. If you have a senior that has no idea what a front squat is and you've had them in for, four years you probably need to work on your communication skills a little better well you'd be amazed about how many guys that are like you know they're they one and dones mm-hmm. and they come in and then they bend just to every single like they've been through like the g league or they've been through europe and then they come back and then they're just they've never been at one place no matter if it's college no matter if it's professionals whatever they've never been at one place so they're like 26 27 and they still can't execute a lunge yeah you know and you're just looking there you're like man that like poor kid like it's not our poor man. You know, yeah. it's not their fault. It's just they weren't able to stay in one place long enough to get exposure. Just, I mean, a year. Don't get me wrong. You can get a lot done in a year. You, you, you really can. But with the chaos of trying to secure a contract, the chaos of putting all your resources in, into film and skill acquisition and being able to execute, like that is way more than a controlled setting. Like here's a lunge in the weight room. Yeah. So when you know that's not executed then you know their whole life is just unbelievable chaos and stressors that they can't even just nail down simple movement patterns like that. That's the thing is like, especially first year of college, like their first priority is like, how can I figure out basketball, right? The new system, all that stuff. How can I figure out living on my own, going to class, feeding myself, be like being an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing they're probably really paying attention to is the detail of your split squat Facts. and what you want. So it's like, let's not overcomplicate that area. Like, Let's let them figure out, you know, what does coach want on the court? What do I need to do in the classroom? And then by the time that sophomore season is usually when they get, make the biggest gains in our area. For because sure. Because they figure that stuff out. For sure. They know how to be an adult. And then they're like, all right, I recognize this room is important. Let's pay attention to the details more. Yeah, sophomore to junior year was fun. Yeah. Those are always the fun years. Yeah. Makes you look really good. And, yes. for, the, <laughs> and for the students. I had a great time. The... Uh, <laughs> Now for the coaching career, the life cycle of a coach, like where have y'all witnessed people just falling out? Like good, great coaches that just reach a pivot point in their lives that say, you know what, this ain't for me or I can't take it anymore. You know, I think 
the best way for me to answer that is what I'm hypothesizing for myself <laughs> because I don't know what this looks like, but I know if I have kids, how that's going to change everything because I do not know how much availability I would have if I stayed in my current role. So that's where it's like your family dynamics are going to dictate a lot. And so that's where I think most coaches careers do change unless they have certain type of like partner dynamics. But like for me personally, my partner is a doctor. So like we're both very ambitious in what we do. And so one of us is going to have to give at some point, especially when we're trying to have a family dynamic. Thus, that's going to change my career path. But I would say typically go to college, do the college thing. If you're able to get into the pros, do the pro thing. And then they eventually go, I don't know how long I can do this. And then they do the private thing. I think that's usually like the cycle and you can see why, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's very stressful. I mean, it's, it's a long season. It's a lot of demand and it's, it's high pressure all the time. So for the guys that are in it for like 20 some years, those guys are, they're legends. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing <laughs> that they've made it to that point. And, you know, I'm only going into year three and I'm already like feeling like, wow, this is long. Like this is, this is actually pretty tough. Um, but at the same time, like you develop some experience so you know how to, okay, maybe I don't need to put as much thought into that. Because when you first come in, everything's like the highest priority. And then you start realizing like, okay, maybe that's not as important as I thought it was. Um, and then you're able to hopefully develop a system or, or, or have help underneath you. But yeah, I think most, most of the time for coaches, when they, when they split off or they change, it's because of a family dynamic. Or it's because they get burnt out and they're just like, okay, how can I get the most amount of money with the least amount of time? And be honest with you, I respect it. <laughs> do what you got to do because, I mean, your mental health at some point is going to give and it's going to affect your family dynamics. So, for sure. Like, if you don't have that, I think when you're young, it's easy to be in the weight room all day, every day, just because, like, you're soaking everything up. It's a, your first couple of jobs. Like, it's cool. And then you kind of realize, like, what is important in life the other day? I was training some of our athletes and one of them asked me, she's like, Zach, how long do you think you're going to do this? I'm like, do what? She's like, coach. Like, you're going to coach till you're like 60 or 65? And I was like, never really thought about that. Like, dude, that sounds awful. You know, <laughs> but like, like, can you picture yourself at like the retirement age? Like still get lower on your squats. Like, uh, or probably though. Wait, but. <laughs> yeah. This, this sparked from a conversation with Donnie May. Yeah. And uh, essentially him communicating with uh, with peers asking them the same question in a book that he read that I'm, I'm diving into. It's, it's called Halftime. And, okay, what do coaches do at halftime? All right. Make adjustments. So are we taking the same mental approach to our careers? If we reach this halftime, this point, what adjustments are we going to make to continue to win the match, win the game? I'm trying to think, what is there a halftime? Cause like that's yeah. like that's hard. Like I bet most coaches think they can't take a halftime. I don't think I could take a halftime. I'm like, cause you got to be so financially secure to take a halftime. You know what I mean? Like, well, the, I'm not talking it's sabbatical, yeah, but just a breath, a moment, or maybe a mindset where you take a month off, you visit Austin, did you, just you say see a month this amazing off? office. What strength coach you know can take a month off? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I, and that's yeah. the pressure that college and pros are. Is there is like zero time off? Like I had a three-day weekend because I had to get my assistants off because guys were still sticking around before summer league. And this is coming off that nine-month season. 
you know? So that's when I was like, okay, when am I going to take mine? And then now I'm here and I'm just spending a couple of days, but I got to go right back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got guys that, because they love Phoenix, like they stick around Phoenix, so I'm there. And then I got to go site visits. So then I got to go to, now don't get me wrong, I, go to, I get to go to Malibu and stuff like that. That's yeah, fun. Poor, poor. You know, man, that's terrible. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's still like, I'm flying. I'm in hotels again. I don't like. It's not about, it's not a time for you to unplug. Exactly. It's, kind of, it's, it's not still like working. It's like, I don't get to make that decision. Yeah. I don't get to go, okay, I'm going to Barbados. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, like, I, I don't make that decision. Now, would I love to make that decision? Absolutely. But that's where when you said halftime, it like actually kind of hit me because I was thinking, I'm like, oh my God, I've never taken a halftime or I've never even taken a timeout. Like I'm trying to think if I've taken a timeout in my entire career and I haven't. So you just hit me with some stuff. Also, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like once you lose like your love or passion for it, then it's either time to like re-tinker what you're doing or like pivot yeah. completely. Like if you find it, the one thing that you used to love about coaching, like t- I love teaching. And so if I think if I find that I dislike teaching the why behind why we do everything, then it's probably time for me to do something else, find a different situation, um, kind of bring me back to my why. And I think if you don't know your why, um, then I think you can definitely struggle with. Well, let me ask you this thing, coach. How, how, what's the longest you've been at a place? Texas. Which so is how, crazy. How many years? Going on my fifth season. Wow. Yeah. Mine average is two. Yeah. Two and a half. That was mine before it was a little under two years. Good for you. So move, 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 move. But that's 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 the career. Yeah. Like it's just move job, job, job. I mean, every off season everybody's talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. Like what how am I gonna yeah, well, this is might be a lateral move, but it might be worth it. So and then it's that, oh, it's fresh, it's new. Mm. And then around year three, that's when it goes. It's about that time you're on you know it's like mm, i don't know like do i need to shake it up do i need to keep advancing how's this work i can't even imagine juggling it with the family Dude. like you had to make most of those moves just by yourself which was like that's easy Dude, i can live wherever i don't care but it's right. like if you have wherever five kids easy with the whatever <laughs> i've been there done that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're that's southern where i spent a lot of time thinking about my why right and do you know you really love this i think if you live in a place that's not ideal for you you kind of think like do i really love coaching as much as i say i do you know you love the sip yeah you know you love the mississippi sip. was great <laughs> <laughs> i had a good experience there i i came out uh the only place that i was at for a long like two years i was like ah was Bowie's creek north mm-hmm. carolina but like i was still by raleigh and, yeah and that was close enough to home where i, I still had friends and stuff like that but I, i've been lucky man i've been like what colorado springs bay area twice birmingham alabama is awesome like i loved my time in birmingham now don't go outside of birmingham but i love my time in birmingham um and then phoenix yeah. oh phoenix is amazing so i i got lucky i got lucky big time i'm the luckiest though i live in austin the austin yeah. is probably like top three <laughs> easy top hey, three. it's okay uh we got he doesn't it. want people moving here yeah. that's a horrible you shouldn't get it go here uh you can, hey move to austin don't move to dripping springs no. uh, show rogan you need to zip it up about my town yeah um well the going back to the talk the the aim is is i'm going to use the term periodization yeah but the aim is to i want people to start to think of their career as periodization mm-hmm. right different blocks different phases of development and then Reverse engineering, however, from a goal. What is my lifestyle goal? Is it a family? Okay, well, if this family is my goal, 
Well, I need to reverse engineer my career to set up success for that. Traveling every year, two years, doing four years of internships unpaid. Yeah. You're not putting yourself in a position. You got to find a doctor and uh, (laughs) lock that down. So that I did. Like if you have this aspect, this dream outside of your life, then this career is it leading towards it. And that that's that's the primary of the talk. The audience essentially is for a private training company to help them maintain their staff versus they're losing quality people for this dream desire of freaking four more years of internships before I go into medical sales. Multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. That is it. Find ways of multiple streams of income. You, you can be do that more than a strength coach. You got to be more. You got to be more. And that's where like I get on a pedestal a lot because a lot of strength coaches are negative about social media. And I'm like, yo, like you don't get it. Or you're like the SEC football strength coach that's making like 600000 Of course, you don't need multiple streams no. of income. But most of us do need multiple streams of income to set up financial security so that when that day does happen where, you know what, we don't like Corey no more. He's gone. You know how hard it would be to find another job of equivalency? In but a, in it's a like if you're not planning for that already, like you're already behind. You're already behind. So like you might read all these periodization books and whatnot, but if you don't know anything about marketing, finance, um, any of these, I took a few MBA classes and those really opened my eyes of like, especially the marketing part of like, how do I, I'm my own brand? How do I position that to better get me a better position? Um, or have people take me more seriously when I'm in a meeting with administrators mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, I think you have to be more well-rounded than how do I get bigger arms and faster 40. I mean, those Which are two pretty skill. awesome things yeah. though. I think you de- you definitely need that. Yeah. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> well, where would you direct people to find those resources? Many can't go take master's levels courses, but is there any guidance you suggest for these guys? People? A master class. Masterclass. So like I have like a, a con ed budget and the first thing I bought was a subscription of like a three year long subscription to Masterclass. It's the coolest thing in the world, in my opinion. Like I watched, I got inspired and thought about, wow, that's kind of actually how I dictate training off a of graphic designer. Huh. And I was like, wow, like I would not put those two things together, but I believe it or not, the app Masterclass. Well, 100%. to quote Steve Jobs, creativity is in the connections. Yep. So you're able to bring that in through your your experience. Think about creativity, like how you come up with a lot of the new stuff you're doing is finding creative solutions for problems that you have. Lateral thinking, right? Lally Kirshner. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's true, though. Like, And that's where I, I question, well, that was my experience at Stanford was I used to believe in the Olympic lifts, not saying that the Olympic lifts are not beneficial. I just don't think they're the most efficient. So when I looked at, okay, cleans and snatches, and I saw squat numbers go up, and now I got access to force plates, but I don't see force plate numbers change. Oh, I'm probably doing something wrong. So I got guys up to, you know, initially, they those force plate numbers changed pretty drastic, and then they staled. And I was like, but we're getting stronger. Like, we're lifting more. Cl- like, cleans are faster. They're bigger. Squats are heavier, but the force plate numbers aren't changing. So I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong? And then it took some some help, but I got <laughs> some thinking, and I got to get down to, like, some – some deeper level that I was like, wow, I'm just looking at weight training all wrong. And so when I stripped all that away, that's where I came up with all those trap bar variations. Yeah. Hardware, but, software. Hardware, software. But like that trap bar, like 
I took the same kid who can barely get up like a hundred kilos. Well, I mean, a hundred kilos is pretty, pretty good for a clean, but like for, especially for a basketball player, but he took 200 kilos and moved it at the same speed. And I'm like, it's just about putting force into the ground. It doesn't matter the vessel, how it gets done. Mm -hmm. So like, don't get me wrong. I love the technical proficiency and the things that you get from cleans, from snatches, from those movements. And it does have cross pollination, all these others like postural strength and all these other things. So it's beautiful and you get it all in one lift. I love it. But after that, then you're chasing these like fractions of a kilo to keep getting heavier, but you're not getting anything out of it. Like you, you tapped it. So then you have to go to another, another means or method, or you just start with that means and method to begin with and just hijack the whole thing. But you know, it's like, it's that same principle. Like I got, I had a problem. I needed to find a solution for it. My Achilles ruptures, right? I need to find a problem. Kettlebell partner passing or passing itself just to get the eccentric RFD without coming off the ground. Boom. Solve that problem. Well, ish. But <laughs> I don't think you never truly come back from Achilles. The same. You won't be dunking again? Uh, ever. But <laughs> I have a mean finger roll, though. Mean finger roll. But like, I just don't think you can truly, you know, unless you have some help from some other things that are illegal, you're not going to get to that point again um and that regardless at the end of the day whatever problem you have you have the solutions if you only use the same tools that you've had your whole life then it's going to be the same solution every time and so that's where you gotta i guess you said ali uh talking about lateral thinking but you have to have the access and you have to have the vulnerability to try it and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't are not willing to do that, especially in strength. Even to ask questions. Like, I it, think it oh, takes yeah. a huge ego hit for someone to call a corner and be like, hey, I saw you do X, Y, Z. Like, why are you doing that? Oh, it's even better when they, like, they don't even ask the question. And all of a sudden, you just start seeing them do it. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've stole stuff from everyone. Yeah. And I give credit like to everyone. Have, yeah. But it's like, yeah, like, I didn't come up with the squat, guys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like, you see it, and it's like, guys, like, like every no, there I forgot who said this, but I don't think there can be an original thought anymore mm -hmm. because it's all extrapolated from other things that's already been done. The only thing you did, and it's what you said, is connected. Like, how did you connect those things? And that might be the quote unquote original idea, but at the end of the day, it came from a principle that's already set. And that's where it's like, it's like at the end of the day, like there's no true original thought anymore. It's just, where did I get it from? What inspired me to get there? Okay, it's my collection of experiences that's so unique that allows me to make those connections. Did I just drop something? Was that serious or I concur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boom. I feel we can't top that. So <laughs> I mean, we can we haven't even talked any nuts and bolts about training though. Yeah. Do we need to? He's here ask him training questions. Do we I do don't, that? I don't even stuff. know. Well, all right. Force velocity curves and uh, no. <laughs> that ain't this show. It's the premier podcast in strength and conditioning in which we use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but as we've demonstrated that. this. Uh, I've said that once or twice. Uh, well, yeah, let's, let's end it and leave some for the next conversations in which we get the opportunity to connect. Fantastic. When the confetti does fall for one of y'all. Let's do it. All right. Maybe for you. Come on now. <laughs> Guys, gentlemen, thank you for joining us in Austin, Texas for another episode of Power Athlete Radio. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. 
Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!